Good morning, Carolina Family Church. My name is Jess Allen. Um, I have missed doing host comments with you, but I'm so grateful to Monica for covering. And Dennis, last week, um, I joked with Monica because she is Jeremy Side's wife, who is on staff here at Carolina Family Church. And I am John Allen's wife, who is also on staff here at Carolina Family Church. So a little bit like old school youth Sunday, this was kind of like pastor's wife Sunday. So we did everything but take over worship because... I mean, we love to worship, but leading you might be a little <laughs> detrimental to everybody's eardrums. Um, Monica, and I love you. That's no dig on you. That's, that's just me. That's just me. Um, we are in our second to last week of our Summer Stories series. And in this series, we, um, well, normally John interviews people um, from the church who have just really touched us with their testimony or what they have been learning and challenged us to grow. And we just feel like it's so valuable that we want everybody to kind of know. And so we go out there and we, you know, send a quick like feeler text like, hey, would you be willing to share that incredible thing? And normally they're like, you're kidding, right? <laughs> but you know me, <laughs> I'm never really kidding. <laughs> and so um, Michelle and I have been friends and our friendship started in women's group. She came and she sat and I think for like the first, these chairs are very deep, so sorry. Okay. Also, we did not coordinate our outfits. This is just the Holy Spirit leading in our closets today. Right? We did it. Yeah, thank you for that appreciation, Amazon. Um, I told you you'd be fine. Um, we met, and for the first eight weeks, I think, of women's group, Michelle's first time, she did not say a word. And I was like, ooh, she's a tough nut to crack. And then, as now we've been in women's group, I think, for two years together. Yeah, and... The last time, right when we were wrapping up the Roman series, she spoke about how God was leading in her life, and it left all of us going, that's the word we needed today. And so I text her, and I want to tell you a few things um, about Michelle before we get started. One, she does not want to be up here. <laughs> Um, she is so quiet and so introverted, um, and don't take that for she doesn't have something to say, um, but I told her and reminded her that this is not, you know, when we call each other family, that's not something we say, it's something we mean, and so this is her and I on a couch and chair situation, which we are in women's group, talking through um, her story and sharing it with our family, and so I know you're going to receive her in that way and show her lots of love. Um, and I just wanted to say it out loud one more time. And then the second thing was that last song. <laughs> I turned around and looked at her um, because this today is a story of shame that someone has carried around for a long time. And I told her right before we got out here, this is you running out of your grave. And so I can't really make the band come back up and sing it at the end. But if I, could, if I had that kind of power, I would. <laughs> Because I think it'd be a great closer. Absolutely. Do you want to sing it at the end? No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll get her there. Maybe I'll get her that comfortable. A lot of our summer stories have started with John asking um, the question, you know, when did you get saved? Or do you know your moment of salvation? And that's actually not where we're going to start today. 
I'm actually, we're going to back up a little bit and we're going to get to Michelle's moment. But um, Michelle, I'd love for you to kind of share with everyone a little bit about your family background. Um, and that's going to lay some foundation for all of us, I think. Okay, so um, I'm from a single uh, mom uh, home, and um, just to kind of give a little backstory on my mom, she's um, from Germany. Um, she came here when she was um, 19. Um, she married a guy in the military who brought her here, um, and they um, lived in Massachusetts. Fast forward, um, she... Um, was married for a very long time, had my five, my four brothers and my sister. Um, and then he um, got out of the military and became um, very abusive. And my mom had had enough and picked up and um, was on the way to Florida. And she had a sister that lived there, and that was where she was trying to go. Um, how things happen. The car broke down um, in Thomasville, North Carolina. Imagine that. Um, and so she was here for a while and managed to um, make Thomasville her home, um, having five kids in tow. So um, fast forward a little bit later, um, uh, I found out um, when I was in fifth grade, so 11, 12 years old, that um, my sister got mad at me. Now, keep in mind, there's a lot of age difference. So my youngest sister, there's nine years between us, and then they go up from there. Um, so I was winning the card game, and my sister got upset with me and said, well, you're not even my sister. And I was like, what? Like, where did that come from? Never heard anything like that. I had always been a part of the family, went with them when their dad came to visit, considered him my father. Um, now, obviously, the relationship was broken because he lived in Massachusetts, so we weren't very close, but I always thought that that was my family. Um, anyway, so kind of devastating moment there for an 11-year-old that grew up thinking, you know, this was her family her whole life. Um... Then you found out who your real dad was, and you were terrified? Yeah. Is that the right word? Yeah. Um, growing up, had heard many stories about this man. Um, was absolutely petrified of him. Um, so I took it upon myself to say, okay, um, I'm going to meet him, and I'm going to show him what I'm all about. And At 11. If you want to know Michelle's personality, her go getedness at 11, she's like, well, I'm going to make a relationship with this man then. Yeah. So um, it took about three Sundays. The first Sunday, I figured out that, you know, obviously he was my father. Um, the second Sunday, I was like, okay, I'm going to go visit. Made arrangements, um, went to his home, and he literally spent five minutes with me, long enough to give me a $50 bill and said, take this, go buy what you want, and left me there with his girlfriend and younger child. So that was an awkward moment for me. Um, already in an awkward situation with people I didn't necessarily know and weren't comfortable with. So I left that visit, took a week to think about it, 
went back that next Sunday, gave him his $50 bill back, and said he should have been there 11 years prior helping my mom. And that's at 11. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, not trying, I'm not trying to, like, dig at my children, but when they get $50 in their hand, it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Just more to admire, I guess. <laughs> so the last time you saw him at 11. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And then fast forward again at 14 when I had my twin boys. Yeah. So that's, we're going to talk about that. You had twins at age 14. Yes. Yeah. So let's, um, let's talk through that. So just to give some background, because I feel like I need to kind of explain, I was not a bad kid. Um, Growing up in a single home, my mom worked a lot. Um, So I was at home a lot. Anyway, um, got into a crowd of friends that I should not have been with and made grown adult decisions as a 14-year-old. And that decision, um, I became pregnant. And um, that was really hard because I kept that in. Um, No one knew. I didn't tell anybody until 15 days before I had my kids. I think what struck me when we were talking through this is that the person that did know, the father... Um, he encouraged you to get an abortion. Mm -hmm. He was much older. um, And at 14, you just knew that wasn't the choice you were going to make. No, it was never even an option um, at all. Right. Um, And then um, I went to my sister, um, who, I mean, we had a relationship, but it was obviously more broken than um, a true relationship. Um, But I went to her and I told her, you know, I was pregnant because, you know, at this point it's getting down to the line. Like, you know, I'm almost uh, ready to have babies. Um, And um, and that was her um, her comment to me was, you can't take care of a baby. How are you going to do this? And said, have you thought about having an abortion? So that's the second time I heard that word. even as a 14-year-old, I was very strong in my faith and did not believe in that, taking that step. just was not for me. And I, I find that so interesting because you say at 14 you were strong in your faith, and yet you had only attended church by happenstance when other people would take you. Yes. So you had a neighbor growing up that you would, or she was a babysitter, mm-hmm. and that she would sometimes take you. Yes. And then you had a friend in your middle school years, that if you spent the night at her house, you could go to church. Right. And yet, here you are facing this huge event, and you're relying on a faith that's not formed traditionally by any sense of the word. And believe you me, when I tell you, I was clueless, (laughs) completely clueless, but that was something that spoke to me very strongly. 
Um, and there, you know, I think we all have situations in life where, you know, you're put in certain situations and you really don't know which way to turn. But when that, when God speaks to you and he really digs in that message, you, you know it, like without a doubt that that was him um, guiding your direction and your path. Yeah, so I think it's also important to note as you're hiding a twin pregnancy at 14, you're also physically and violently ill yes. the entire time. Yes. Um, so with twins, um, you know, in pregnancy in general, you have um, a lot of, you know, morning sickness, nausea. Um, I had all day sickness um, from the time I opened my eyes to the time I went to sleep. Some days I was doing good to keep down sips of water. Um, my only saving grace um, was that I was home by myself all the time. Um, and so I could hide that from my mom. And she didn't know what I was going through. So the first time we talked through this, I said, oh, Michelle, this is a lot. Um, and I asked the question, and I asked it again when we talked this week, like, how did you come out on the other side of that? Like, how, I know you said that God was speaking to you, and I, and I honor that. And honestly, you're going to hear that. You're going to hear Michelle talk so clearly through her entire life of how the Holy Spirit directed her steps which is so freeing and so challenging. But like, I'm just, I work with 14 year olds. So like, how did you, I don't know, how did you come out on the other side? What was your faith like at that point? So, <clears throat> all I can say is um, God chased me. Um, I did not chase him. I put him to the, you know, furthest out of my thoughts as I possibly could. Um, but he chased me. He showed up every turn, every decision, every step of the way um, and didn't give up on me. Um, even, you know, um, with sporadically having involvement in church, you know, <laughs> My first, I remember as a four or five year old, and this is, <laughs> um, I was on the church bus. Um, you know, the church um, bus came through our neighborhood, neighborhood, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna go. Didn't know anybody, just got on I the mean, bus. I mean, you know, four year olds, right? They just got on a bus by themselves. That's totally normal. <laughs> I'm gonna go to church today at four. <laughs> so every Sunday, my mom worked, and, um, I had to go to stay with my babysitter. My mom worked eight-hour shifts or 12-hour shifts. So eight to eight, I was at the babysitter's house. Um, so I seen this bus come through, and I was like, well, I want to know what that's about. So got on the, on the bus um, that Sunday, and um, I remember, you know, going a couple times. Um, very long trip to get to the church. Very long trip to get back. Um, but... Uh, I remember one Sunday I went, and um, I remember this very vividly. Um, I had my pocketbook with me, um, which is so funny because I'm not a girly girl by any means. 
But I had my little purse with me, and I was carrying it into church. You know, I was, you know, uh, all proud and of myself. And I had a little makeup kit, and I had my um, lipstick in my makeup kit. And um, I was putting it on because, you know, I wanted to be that girl, uh, you know. And um, so I was putting my lipstick on, and um, the Bible school um, teacher took my makeup from me. I was ticked. I was really, really mad. And this, that is a long line of church stuff that we're going to get into, but that story cracks me up. And I think I texted Marie, and I was like, note to Carolina kids, let's not take anyone's makeup. <laughs> like it, it could change the trajectory of how they feel about their, their church leaders. Um, 14, sick as a dog, by yourself. Most of the time, still going to school. Mm-hmm. I went to high school up until, so my first doctor's visit was January the 30th. January 30th was the first time that I found out I was not only pregnant, but pregnant with twins. Um, and I remember very vividly sitting in the office and my mom, she was kind of catty cornered from me. And the doctor came in and did the ultrasound, and because obviously I was very far along. Um, so he did the ultrasound, and um, he said, well, Michelle, I got some news for you. And I said, okay, what's that? And he was like, well, it's, you want the good or the bad? And I said, well, let's get the bad out of the way. So he said, well, I'm just going to put it to you like this. Either you're having twins or your baby has two heads. That's excellent bedside manner. Look at that. Yeah. And all I remember is my mom being in that corner, and I thought, I am absolutely dead. Like, there, she's going to kill me. This is going to be the longest car ride home. Um, So that's after she found out and and made you go to the doctor. What can, if you feel comfortable, can you share with us the moment that your German-born, strong Catholic mother found out? So I told my sister, kind of going back to that, and my sister had told my mom, and my mom... Sisters, man. (laughs) They're always telling our secrets. I love my sisters, but I get it. Sorry. So um, my mom went and got a pregnancy test, which was completely ridiculous to me. But anyway, um, she obviously didn't know the things that I knew, um, the things that I've been hiding. Um, So anyway, um, she came in um, after I took the test. I couldn't look at it. Um, She came in my room, and I could see the disappointment on her face. That really um, spoke volumes to me. That I really disappointed my mom. Um, And at that moment, she said, you know, everybody makes bad decisions. Sometimes we all make bad choices. You can either let it define you, or you can let it make you better. And this is the time that you can make it better. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Let's all have a little bit of that grace in our lives when we speak to people, right? 
So we've talked a lot about how you felt um, in that moment when your mom looked at you. She recovered and recovered well. Um, but then we talked through everyone else looking at you. Yes. Because now you're 14 twin boys, healthy twin boys. And the only word that came to mind when you were sharing this with me is just the complete shame that buried you. And you felt that really, one, you beat yourself up for this choice, but two, you experienced it just from the reaction of everyone else around you. So could you give a few examples of, because, and here's what, I want us to be really careful. Michelle's not glorifying this part of her story. If she could skip over this part, she would. And she wants to be so careful to show love and forgiveness to a lot of these people in the story. But I think it's really important for us to put ourselves in the spectator position right now when we see somebody living through a mistake. Right? Her boys are not a mistake. Not at all. But in living, and not only that, the stigma that goes along with being a teen mom. And so I want us to... I don't know if I've always handled it well and with love and with grace. And so, and that was your experience. Not everyone handled it well with love and with grace. So could you share a few examples of just kind of what you experienced living through that? So obviously the, the biggest um, shameful moment was, you know, my mom telling my mom. Um, my next moment was my sister, you know, the one that's supposed to support you um, through all of your good and your bad. Um, wasn't very supportive. Um, when I went to deliver my boys, um, the nurses were not supportive of me. That's going to come up later. Just tuck that one away. Um, the high school principal um, told me that I would not amount to anything um, because I was a teen mom. Which one makes me the angriest? Um, obviously, um, I went back to school after having my boys, and, you know, classmates aren't always the, the nicest. Um, so, you know, I was the topic of many rumors, conversations um, that were had. Um, my child's father um, questioned um, paternity, um, you know, uh, I had a lot of comments throughout this period of how old are you those can't be your kids um did you have them when you were two um and um all of that made a huge impact on a child's self-esteem yeah so how did you carry the weight of everyone's judgment on you so this actually, when we sat down and were talking, um, I never had really thought of this whole life experience, never really went back and kind of put all of the pieces together or said, you know, wow, look at this. But 
it honestly reminded me when um, Jesus was, you know, walking to be crucified. Um, People were insulting him, spitting at him, calling him names. Um, And he said nothing. And that's what I did. I said nothing. I had no reply to anyone. I kept to myself and I focused on my boys and that was my journey to make sure that I was the best mom that I could be, that I was the best provider and the best person that I could be. Alone. Alone. So we're going to speed past, I think, I told, it's kind of comical how fast we're going to go past this, but um, because this is like the, the heroic part of Michelle, um, you set out to not be a statistic. You, were, you said you had already been enough statistics <laughs> for your life yes, and that you were not going to be another statistic. And so you worked a bunch Several, several jobs with full-time hours. And you went to school a bunch. A lot. (laughs) And because I think that this gives you another glimpse into her personality, how is it that you got signed up for college, Michelle? So I graduated high school, and at that point, you know, my honest thought was I need to get a... I had a a job, a full-time job, um, but... I was like, I don't really know where life is supposed to take me at this point. And so um, I had a friend that I worked with who said, hey, I said, hey, what are you guys doing today after work? We um, got off at four. She was like, the college is having orientation and we're going to go sign up. And I said, oh, well, I want to go. That, that's me. Let, me. let me see what that's all about. And so you just went. I just went. And I signed Signed yourself up for college. Mm -hmm. Let's do that. Yep. And you happen to be the first college graduate in your family. Yes. With the twin boys. Yes. And when I went home that evening after signing up, um, you know, I was talking to my mom about my day. And um, she said, you know, what did you do today? How thing, you know, how was your day? I said, well, I signed up for college today. And she said, what? You did what? I said, yeah, I'm going to start taking some college classes. And you didn't just take some college classes. You have multiple degrees. Like you have degrees upon degrees at this point. Yes. And I'm saying that as a brag, not a home. You don't have to say it. I will say it. (laughs) You have multiple degrees. So what is it? What's your official title? Because I murder it every time. Women's health nurse practitioner. Yeah. Yeah. She helps people who are pregnant. (laughs) Look at that. And she said, you know, one of the things that she said to me was, I wanted to be there for people um, that were going through what she went through. She wanted. And so now she spends all day taking care of women. Yes. Yeah. And she's a nurse practitioner. So... This idea of shame and what you carried around and kind of how you buried yourself in it, um, it became a theme like in your personal life, but it also really was a theme in your church life. 
like in your experiences. Like, and one of the things I think is powerful, and I know a lot of you will be able to relate to it because, you know, earthly fathers are not the same as our heavenly father. And so at 11, when you're, when you're struggling at 16, when you're struggling at any age, when you're struggling, like searching for that father figure, or when you have babies and you wish they had that father figure, it can get a little bit confusing on how that relates to our heavenly father. And so when you're also beating yourself up, it's really, really hard to acknowledge that there is a divine creator who loves you and wants what's best for you. And like you said, is chasing after you. And so while you heard his voice all through your life, he, he was literally chasing you. Um, you had a lot of church Happenings. shame. <laughs> like, and so um, we're going to be really respectful as we go through it. But I want, I want you to kind of do a rundown for us. And I know because I've talked to so many of you, I know so many of you have experienced like the church rundown too. Like church hurt or people hurt or whatever like and maybe those people were doing the best they could at the time but what it translated to you was this rough relationship with the church mm-hmm. so why don't you talk through it starts with the lady stealing your lipstick which we're all against her we we <laughs> we're on your side we are on four-year-old michelle's side here <laughs> give back the lipstick right i'm with you okay but at, so the lipstick okay So um, you had mentioned earlier, I had a friend um, in middle school who, um, if I went to stay, I had to go to church, which was, I was totally okay with. Um, It was a Lutheran church, um, and I was not made to feel very welcome there because my mom didn't go there. So um, fast forward again a little later, Um, at this point I was around 12, and my friend had suggested going to a, um, a vacation Bible school um, at a Pentecostal church. So I went to that, and, you know, that was kind of a different experience, um, you know. <laughs> y'all know. Some of y'all from that background, you know. Is our, our Catholic raised also sometimes going to a Lutheran church? That was a different experience. Yeah, so... Um, kind of, I was kind of freaked out a little bit, but nonetheless, I did go to the altar and ask to be saved. Um, that was kind of my last memorable moment um, as far as going to church. I do remember, um, you know, going to homecoming as a kid, you know, and we always went on Easter Sunday because, you know, that's what, you know, Southern Baptists do, right? Um, it didn't matter what happened the rest of the year. Um, but anyway, uh, in my 20s, um, I did start going to a Methodist church, and um, I wanted my boys involved. And, you know, I think you've mentioned this before with your kids. You know, you make them wear their Sunday best, and they absolutely hate it. So um, that made going to church difficult because if your kids don't want to go somewhere, then, you know, life is just not fun. Also, um, my next deciding decision there was um, they wanted, they sent out this packet of um, papers, 
and wanted to know what your contribution was going to be for the next year. That was hard as a single mom. I don't know what my contribution is going to be other than I give what I can give. Um, so that kind of put a bad taste in my mouth. Money isn't about church. Um, this is not the whole point of it. Yes, I know money makes the church doors open and things like that, so I get it. But to make a statement of what are you contributing for the next year really um, rubbed me the wrong way. Um, so, got out of church again um, around 2014. Um, I was invited to High Rock Church, and that's where John and Jess were. Um, that church made a huge impact on me because John's sermons really brought um, the gospel to real life. Um, and so it made it to where I can understand um, and wanted more. He's all right. <laughs> well, um, as everybody knows. Spoiler alert. Yeah. As everybody knows, they left and went to Myrtle Beach. And I was devastated because where I had felt comfortable and where I was learning um, things as an adult, um, new um, churchgoer, I wasn't really taught all the Bible stories. You know, I didn't have a mom that, um, you know, focused on that with me. Um, and so I was lost again. I really wanted to pack up and move to Myrtle Beach because obviously who wouldn't want to live at the beach? But Yeah, it was a great time. <laughs> Could have used your help. You had already raised babies. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this, so that's 2014. Mm -hmm. And then like sporadic church attendance. Yes. But then you find out we're back. Yes. So I had a thought. I, was I, please enjoy this story as much as I did. Please. <laughs> Open yourselves up to what's about to happen. So, I don't know where, but anyway, um, I was like, I need to look up John Allen and see where he's at. Maybe they came back from Myrtle Beach. So, I had looked him up and had found that that's when um, they were at Irwin and had opened um, what we now have, Carolina Family Church. Um, so, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go. I'm going to go see what, what this is about. First, I pull in. I'm like, there's not a car. There's not a soul in the parking lot. Well, that was in 2020. So what happened in 2020? COVID. Her first weekend was the first weekend we closed because the school system said you can't meet here anymore. <laughs> You're such a champion. I would have just been like, you know what? Forget it. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't. No. Did you worship right there in the parking lot or did you go home? Well, I just didn't really know. I was like, okay, well, I guess this is not for me today. So what's next? So you went from being alone in the parking lot to a Catholic church. Yeah. You're like, this, this part didn't work out. Let me, try, let me try my roots. Well, they were doing, and, you know, background, my mom um, was a huge Catholic. Um, uh, you know, the doors were open. They were at church, um, you know all the time. Um, and so my brothers and sisters um, grew up in Catholic schools, were raised that way, you know, 
So anyway, I was like, well, let me go see what that's about. And they had outdoor services, so it was in the parking lot. So I'm like, well, this can't be bad, right? So um, a lot of up and downs, you know, standing, sitting, you know. Um, in the parking lot? In the parking lot, yes. So I was like, well, this is kind of different. Um, so anyway, um, it just so happened they were doing communion. And I did communion, you know, as a kid. Um, and I knew what that was about um, as far as my roots go. Um, so anyway, I had debated, you know, I'm at a new church. I really don't know if maybe this is something I should do. But, you know, I am a child of God. Um, and so this is symbolic of what Jesus gave to me. So I'm going to do communion. So um, fast forward service finished. Um, it's time to uh, bring your um, contributions up to the plate. Um, and as I'm walking up, a gentleman walks up to me and said, did you just do communion? I said, yeah. He said, are you new here? I said, I am. Did you go to confession this morning? No. Well, then you're not supposed to do communion. That's how Catholic churches work. So that was that experience. And so that's all different types of church. That's all different types of people. And I think it would be easy for us to think about those churches and those people and think, oh, how dare they? Or, oh, like, how could they? But I actually want us to think about the times that we were the people, right? That we may have, we have, may have cast some expectation, some religious rule on somebody, like, really searching and doing the best that they could. And it doesn't mean that we don't teach people. It doesn't mean that we don't hold them accountable. But as a family, as people who call themselves family, I think it's really important for us um, not to think about the mistakes other people might have made, but to really challenge ourselves in how we're opening our arms and how we're loving people that are coming in and how we're teaching and how we're, and how we're open to their stories and and that expectation, because I'm going to tell you, I said it before, I, I would have been out. Like, I, 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 this is Michelle, though, right? She's the four-year-old that gets on the bus. She's the kid who's like, I'll go sign up for college. Why not? Like, I'm going to make the best of this. Like, this, this is her personality. And so you put in so much work to find a faith family. Like, you did, you did the work, girl. You did it. <laughs> so I know that it was frustrating um, I've told you this a million times, but I'm so proud of you for just, you just kept going. Mm -hmm. And that's not really the American way. Um, you just kept going. Um, so after years and years and years of different types of churches um, and different experiences, uh, you came so um, I looked up CFC again to see, you know, after COVID had kind of relaxed a little bit to see um, if they were still at Irwin, what, what was going on now. Um, and I did watch online a couple times, but I don't feel connection um, being watching online. Not that you didn't do a good job, John, but 
Yeah, all right. <laughs> um, so anyway, it was um, really the host comments that was, like kept you right, right? Yeah. online. It was Marie and I, the Marie and Jess show. Yeah, it was our one YouTube shout to fame. I was like, look at them doing their thing. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Yeah. I want to be a girl power. <laughs> um, so I came back to CFC. Um, my first visit um, happened to be um, during Summer Stories. Imagine that. Um, and it was actually Lori and Carlton that were telling their story. Um, and that spoke a lot to me because when you have two people that get on the stage and tell their junk... And that was very empowering to me. Um, and that was the first time I realized my junk doesn't matter. That's not why I'm here. Amen. And so this has been my home since then. I told you I would save you if you started crying. So, like... You're supposed to save me if oh, I start crying? Sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm okay. <laughs> I texted Carlton and Lori when I heard that. Um, I was like, yo, make sure you're in church this weekend. And Lori's like, I'm in the nursery. I was like, we'll figure that out. <laughs> because believe it or not, they didn't want to tell their summer story either. <laughs> but our stories matter and our truth um, and who we are matters. What God has brought us through matters. And so... Um, you know, you can learn not even from the preacher. You can learn a whole lot. Um, and so you were all in at that point. Mm -hmm. You come, you hear Lori and Carlton, you realize you're carrying all this around, but you decide you're going all in. So how did life change for you from that minute on? So it was mentioned about groups. Back to that. Um, groups, um, I was like, what is that about? Um, so I had looked online to see um, what it, you know, what it meant, what kind of groups there was, um, and decided, mm, no, not for me, not doing it. And then that was um, the fall session. Um, spring session, you know, we went through um, Christmas, um, holidays, all of that, and then we started uh, back with groups after the holidays. And again got to join a group. You need to join a group. You know, that's where the connections happen. Um, so I stand by that. Mm -hmm. Yes, 100%. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, God keeps putting this on my heart. Like, this is where I'm supposed to, what I'm supposed to do next. And so I signed up for the women's group. The absolute best decision I've ever made. Yes. Um, I think, you know, when you come to church, you are as in as much as you want to be or you're as out, sneaking out, you know, sneaking in the door, sneaking out the door. You don't have to talk to anybody. You don't have to tell your, your story. You don't have to engage. Um, but at the same time, my heartstrings were pulled. Um, and so I said, okay, I'm going to sign up for women's group. I was so nervous. I'm going into a room full of women, and we all know sometimes women can be um, judgmental, and I'm already feeling the shame and the guilt. Um, 
And these women are not going to have anything in common with me. My first um, group meeting was women sharing our stuff. Praying for one another, pushing each other, encouraging each other, showing up um, like I've never seen before. Um, That spoke to me. Um, Obviously, I'm not one that really opens up um, initially. I'm that quiet reserve, sit back, watch, observe, kind of see what everybody's about. Are they going to judge me or are they going to think that I'm less? Do I belong here? Do I not belong here? Um, and I belonged. I felt comfortable. I looked forward to every Tuesday. And then you got baptized. Yeah. So at women's group, Jess was talking about baptism. Um, you know, I thought about it for years, but I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I, if I can do that. I don't know if that's something for me. I don't know if I'm deserving enough of that. And so I had asked Jess the week before, so can you tell me about baptism? Tell me what this is. Tell me what it's about. Tell me how it changes me from being just saved to being a child of God. And she explained that to me. And I said, sign me up. It's been on my heart. I got to do it. And so, to be clear, I said, Michelle, you're already a child of God. <laughs> yes. yes. Just have wet hair afterwards. Right. That's not what I said. I was, that's not what I said. Um, so I did a lot of searching that week um, to really decide um, if this is something that, I, that was really, like, you know, for me. Um, because I took it very seriously. Um, That's me stepping in 100% with all of my junk um, and saying, okay, God, here I am. I'm yours. I give it to you. Um, And I was like, yep, this is is it. This is what I'm supposed to do. And so June, I was baptized. Best decision ever. And then it was just kind of... I mean, rapid fire. I think we were hurting for nursery workers one weekend, and you said, I can rock babies. And then you met a bunch of people in the nursery. Mm -hmm. So you've met people through women's group. You met a bunch of people um, serving in the nursery. And then we're going to do a shout-out to our youth meeting afterwards and to Laura Benfield. Yes. So me and Laura have become really good friends throughout all of this time. And throughout my years, there was ways that I wanted to... um, be sort of a mentor to young girls. Um, I had a story, um, and if I can prevent that story from happening to somebody else, that's what was laid on my heart. Never really had um, any opportunity that presented that I could really um, insert myself. Um, So I had honestly had some debates about seeing if I can join, you know, and help with youth. Actually, I would say probably two weeks later, Laura had reached out and said, hey, um, I need some help with um, the youth uh, high school girls. Would you want to help me? After a few minutes, you know, and thinking this is, you know, something that I've always wanted. um, You know, that good old Shane came back in and said, I don't know if um, parents would want me to be a part of that. 
Um, I don't know if they would feel comfortable with me um, and my junk being a part of their high school girls or even the youth group altogether. And Laura being Laura said, stop it. (laughs) Just stop it. And so I said, absolutely, I would love to help. And so I also help um, with the youth group. So we're going to close with what you shared at women's group and with the question, what is God currently teaching you? So through your summer story, what truth did the Holy Spirit prompt you to share with the rest of us? So I know, you know, John has mentioned several times, um, meet people where they are. Um, you don't have to have a certain look. You don't have to have a certain name brand, you know, outfit that you wear to church. It shouldn't matter. None of those things should matter. Um, you meet people where they are in, in life, um, and you love them through that. Um, you show up, you commit, you support, and you just love, um, that's the biggest thing that spoke to me. Um, and, you know, feeling loved and supported is what you're going to get here. Um, and I've not had that anywhere else. Um, so that that was one message. Um, and I always feel, you know, that God's been a part of my life. And he's always um, pushed me uh, to keep going. Um even though I've pushed him away and was like, nope, this isn't for me. Or, you know, God can't love me because of my mistake. Um, ignored him. Tried to do things my way. Um, he will show you lessons. It may take a while. Um, it may, you know, you may go down the wrong path. But it doesn't matter how far you get from that normal that path that he wants you on. He'll bring you back. Um, you know, life is hard. Um, obviously none of us get out of this alive. Um, but he thought it was good too. When she said (laughs) it, I was like, Oh, you're so natural at this. (laughs) But the one constant is he promises he's going to love us through every bad decision, every right decision, every, every step of the way. Um, as long as you show up, um, I've walked around with shame my entire life. Even though my kids, you know, they're, they're 29. Um, they're successful. They are great, great boys, considering what all we've been through. I survived. We survived. I still carry a lot of that burden with me, but this is my way of saying it's time to break free. It's time to share my story, and if it just helps one other person, then that's all that I really want it to do. Um, All of my life, I've been looking to find who Michelle is. I've been defined by a lot of situations, a lot of people along the way. But at the end of the day, I'm now learning who 
Michelle really is. I'm learning who God defines me as. How he defines us is not by our situations, not by our choices, but that he has unconditional love for each and every one of us through it all. Amen. You did it. Uh, so I'm going to pray and, um, yeah, and just close this out. Dear Heavenly Father, um, I'm just so incredibly grateful um, that you define us. I'm so incredibly grateful that when Jesus came and lived his perfect life and died on the cross, that that's where we can hang all of our earthly sin and that he proved that by coming back to life three days later and just helping us know that your love for us is what matters. Your definition of us is what matters. I am so grateful to you for you chasing Michelle. Um, I am so grateful for Michelle's life and for how you define her. And I am so grateful that we have the opportunity to be a part of her story. And God, I'm, I'm thankful for a church. Um, I'm thankful for people in my life who are a safe place to screw up. And I just ask that you use the Holy Spirit to really point out ways that we might be defining people that it's not from you. It's from whatever junk we're carrying around. I just ask that you point that out to us and you help us um, just ask forgiveness in that situation and just cleanse us from that. God, I'm so um, thankful for how you weave everybody's stories together so that we are better together, so that we get to do life um, challenging and forgiving and growing together. We are humbled and grateful for everything you've done and everything you've given to us. In your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>